when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries? Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Cell Block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com 
for a call in at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hey there, campers. My name is Mick Strawn, and I'm going to be on Crazy Train Radio, because if you could, why wouldn't you, right? So, folks, a little surprise interview for you listeners. And most of the time, you've seen us talk to people who might be on the stage or on the screen or in the ring, whatever, however you want to look at it, depending on what your interest is. But the gentleman on the phone is known, especially from the horror community with all the projects he's done. But two of them, at least, I saw were worded as going from an on location to being on set, then taking it also from Carnival Rides to Disney World as far as production. Mr. Strong, <laughs> how are you, sir? You like that, didn't you? I did. There you go. That's a pretty good, pretty good description of three to four, which uh, I've used myself. There you go. So, And for those numbskulls, and yes, I'll include the Stooges uh, drop there, uh, but when we say three and four, it's Nightmare on Elm Street three and four. So first and right. first and foremost, yeah, first and foremost, how are you doing with this whole pandemic bullshit? Oh well, yeah, I don't know that it's uh, all been all that bad for me because I'm in Tennessee and we're not really in lockdown, but uh, I've locked myself down anyway, uh, and uh, I've been remodeling my uh, upstairs into a, a brand new studio, so. Uh, that's um it's worked for me. <laughs> there you go. Uh well you just you were telling me and I'm hoping I'm not speaking out of school here, when I first uh, reached out to ask you about doing this, you were you said you had recently moved to Yeah. See. So how long yeah. have you been there? I think I've been here for since October of last year, so uh I think it's like uh, eight months, maybe seven months. Okay. So what? And obviously, you don't hear too many people talk about it. Well, you hear people talk about the town you're in because of the region of music and everything else like that. But what attracted you to that part of the country? Oh well, you know, my my grandchildren are here, and uh, and basically, uh, my son and I. Uh, We've lived in the same town. We, uh, I, when I moved out of LA, uh, when, uh, my sister died in an airplane wreck in LA and, uh, and between us, we had a lot of properties and a lot of, uh, a, a lot of stuff in LA. And I decided, well, I'll, you know, I'll at least temporarily retire. And, uh, and I packed everything up and I went up and moved to Washington to live with my, to live by my grandchildren. My wife and I just love being around our, you know, my son and his wife and, and my grandchildren. And then we both decided that, uh, it would be easier for us to be in a more central area. Beans is I do a lot of, uh, horror cons, 
and uh and he he does his work is is kind of involved in going from college to college so uh so uh we moved to Nashville and we have we have a little 6 acre slice of heaven here and uh he's got a big enormous house and I've got a little littler one uh next door and uh and we're on locked door I'm I'm on lockdown with all my grandchildren uh, it could be worse then that's for sure definitely a good reason to be close it could by. be worse <laughs> It could be yeah, worse. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the nice part about them being next door is you can say go home. Yes, exactly. I can send them away at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one hundred. That's a one hundred percent grandparent advantage. You, you could say get. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? We actually spoken to another Nightmare Four alum and Lisa Wilcox. And ah, she, yeah. Yes, and at the time, and I know things had uh, changed with texting with her and different things just on a life front, but I remember her saying she was looking at going to the Nashville area and Tennessee and whatnot. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, but yeah, things you know changed, else, obviously. Yeah, you know who else is out in this area is, uh, um, oh, I can't, the blonde from uh from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Why did her name just like pop right out of my Tuesday head? Tuesday night? Tuesday night, yeah. She lives out here. I think she actually lives more in Kentucky. In Kentucky. Okay. But, but, uh, yeah, at the yeah, time, I, Lisa was looking at coming out, but things had changed and whatnot. But I'm not going to throw out personal info out like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, what are you doing? For specific huh? reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to throw out specific reasons why. That right, that's a specific reason. Right, right, right. Yeah, but hey, you know how it is. Life changed, and yeah, you know, yeah. She's ha- as long as we're happy, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's right. So, so uh, first, go ahead. Good night. No, go ahead. I was going to say if you if you have questions about the shows or anything like that, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So, well, before we get into the shows, I want to jump into a rumor I heard about you. Was it the Canadians that got you into film production? <laughs> That's a really strange question. Uh, well, just a rumor I heard anyway. Well, here's a, this is this is probably where this rumor comes from. The very first thing that I did years and years years ago in the early '80s was a uh, a commercial that I thought <laughs> I sort of got. It was called PlaySafe. And okay. And where are you where are you from? You're from America, right? Yes, I'm from the Philadelphia region. Philadelphia region. If you were from Canada, and okay. and, and I didn't know this until like about a year ago. Uh, if you were from Canada, there was this crazy commercial that was a, a it was a, a Canadian safety commercial put on by the Canadian Safety Board, right? And it's this mm-hmm. robot called Astra. <laughs> and Astra, <laughs> what was that? No, I was chuckling. Go ahead. So so Astra is this robot that 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 uh, spins through all these these tunnels that are in space, right? And the way that we did it is, it, we, this was the early John Dykstra uh Effects the same guys that did Star Wars. Um, 
and and their concept was that they were going to have a very small person in a in a suit in a, a robot suit. And it's a really cool suit, it really is. And they're going to they're going to spin and fall through these thirty foot tubes. She would fall doing spins and all these different things through these thirty foot tubes, and we would film them in fast motion. So that it was slow motion, right? We would mm-hmm. uh, we would do these slow motion shots of her moving through these tubes and, as a robot, and then um, and then she lands next to this huge blade and it cuts her arm off, right? It cuts the robot's arm off, and she goes and she holds out her arm and snaps it back on and goes, "I'm I'm a robot. My name is Astra. I'm a robot." I can put my arm back on, but you can't. <laughs> that was the whole commercial. It was this Canadian safety commercial. And it was so much work. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And that was the first thing that I ever did is I helped with the scenic painting of of that show. I actually ran because I had been a painter and uh before that, uh and I and I had run a lot of crews on a lot of construction sites. I just kind of like ran that crew and and um kind of learned i think it it literally took months to do and and i i literally learned the business and i learned how to bullshit my way through things and then right after that i created a uh i created a resume for myself that had five years on it (laughs) (laughs) and then when and literally the way that i did that is i kept listening uh, to other people talk and, and I would take, uh, the names of films off of what they were saying that they were working on now that wouldn't show up, right? You know, people wouldn't hear about them. So I figured that I could put them on my fake resume and nobody would know the difference, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, and it, it was nothing, nothing was quite as weird as that after actually being, being in the business for five years and realizing that I could actually take that I had a resume with 10 years on it, and I could actually take the five fake years off. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, what, what can I, what can, you know, you know, so there's something that, that's deep down in a, in a, in a good con artist's heart to say that they actually worked for as long as they actually told you they worked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you take, it's paid the bills though, right? Yeah. But, but here's, now here's the shocking thing. Now, and this is the weirdo thing. So I'm talking to a Canadian, uh, a Canadian podcast, uh, maybe about eight months ago, right? Okay. And I, and they said, well, what's the first thing that you did? And I said, well, yeah, I did this weird little thing, this Canadian safety commercial. And they went, oh, you mean Astra? I went, yeah, you've heard of it? And they go, oh my God. The Astra commercials played constantly after with the after school cartoons for 25 years. Oh, <laughs> and virtually, I had no idea that all that all, all the glittering paint jobs and stuff that we did on that actually actually were some of the most uh, seen. Uh, piece of footage uh, in Canadian history. It was just the craziest thing. 
Obviously, that had to be behind Gretzky, but that's a whole other. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I got to tell you, that's that's probably where that rumor first started. Well, freaking, I'm going to still write. <laughs> I'm still going to write rumor. here. Yeah, I'm yeah. still going to put right here anyway. A clip from a little movie called South Park: Bigger and Better, Playing Canada. Yeah. Should we blame the government? Yeah. I'm gonna run with the bit anyway, why not? There you go, why not? <laughs> yeah. But uh obviously looking besides three and four, you've had an interesting career in terms of you were a part of Blade and Candyman and Leatherface and th- all these different Four. projects, and you've had different titles along the way at these different jobs. Is, yeah. is there something in particular? Is there something in particular that you feel is your strongest suit when you're putting your name in a hat for a job? You know, it's it, it's the combination of design. <laughs> Boy, it's the combination of design and. Uh, and effects and stunts together that that kind of really narrow parameter in there that and in fact that's exactly what i did on a show called mortal Kombat. um okay. i came in and and I, I to tell you the whole story to tell you correctly i got a call uh what was it 93 maybe 94 i'm not sure sometime in there I got a call from a producer friend of mine. He says, you know, I want you to come here and I want you to meet me at such and such a screening room and, and, and I want to screen a film for you and, uh, and you tell me what you think. And so I wasn't working on anything right at that moment. And so I headed up over to Burbank and I sat and I watched this whole film. And, uh, he says, so what's wrong with it? <laughs> and I said, well, I have to say, it seems like, like this is taken off of a, off of a, a, a video game, isn't it? And he said, yeah. And I says, so what you have in the video, video game is you have a background that scrolls across and then there's all these fights in the middle, right? That's, that, that's what the name, that's what the game was, right? It was Mortal Kombat. And I said, here's the thing. I think that you really fooled yourself into thinking that, uh, a video game is a movie and it's not. <laughs> so, so, so he says, yeah, okay, well, what do we need to do? And I said, well, you, you have these fights that are just fight scenes in the middle of these incredible backgrounds, right? You know, like these exotic backs and stuff. And I said, and the problem is, is that, is that you don't use the backgrounds because you're concentrating on the fights and that the game itself didn't concentrate on the backgrounds either. So, so you actually are, are making yourself believe that it's all right because it looks like the game, but it's not. If you think about it, if you think, if you think about a fight sequence um, and you want to give it a cinematic quality, you have to think to, you know, I, 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 I'm old fashioned. I think all the way back to, um, to Robin Hood, the original Robin Hood in the 30s. You know, okay. uh, if if you have ever seen that film, and I don't know if you have, but I have you ever seen that 
you've seen that film, then what do you remember about it? Well, what would you think coming from your side of things there? Well, I know what I what I remember about it is I remember the the sword fight between Basil Rathbone and um, oh, I can't think of his name ba- uh, between Robin Hood and Basil Rathbone, right? There's yeah. there, there's a sword fight, and in that sword fight, uh, he's backed up the stairs and he grabs the chandelier and he swings off of the chandelier and he and he he leaps behind a table right as he goes behind the table the sword comes and cuts the candles off right and now he's behind the he's behind the table and and he pushes the table forward and there's all this choreography to it right people leaping yeah. around and stuff and it and it all has to do with the set so there's this i i mean another perfect example of that would be um bride um princess bride you know the the uh the sword scene in in the rocks uh between the six figure man and and the hero right uh Correct. he's le- leaping around and the thing is is it's all involved with the scenery right and i said here's the problem you've completely separated the scenery from all the fight scenes and the fight scenes look generic and what i would say that you need to do is you need to leave you need to make at least uh, uh, one complete sequence that's completely involved in the scenery in the background, and you need to like uh, use use uh, some uh, you know uh, insert shots to get the feeling that the rest of the fights ha- are actually more of a, a are bigger than they actually are, and that's what we did. We went in and we reshot. I mean, it took us a couple of months to prep and and I came up came up and and helped co-direct the entire sequence uh of Scorpion's Lair and I conceived that whole set and that was and there there are no opticals in that set it is that huge of set I mean it's all all, all done with with bamboo, we, we literally kiped a uh, boat <laughs> and bought half of its cargo of bamboo and just started to truck it off of the docks and <laughs> send it straight up to an airline, hang- to a uh, uh, an old blunt hanger on the Van Nuys Airport. And it was 100, 100 feet tall, 130 feet wide, and 120 feet long, and, it, and, and we coated it with black. We... Uh, put plaques all the way around it and, and started uh, creating these ladders and put these, the, the, all the bodies that are out there that you see, you know, that are wrapped in mummified, uh, those are X-rated uh, blow-up dolls that are wrapped in bandages. <laughs> oh, so, I'll have to go back and watch Mortal Kombat in a whole different fashion then. <laughs> there you go. You'll, you'll see it with uh, different eyes. Yes, that's And then we cobble we cobweb the whole thing, and and and, uh, and it it's it's funny because at the uh, premiere of it, I, I was at the premiere of it, and as I walked outside, I had all these people that kept coming up to me, go, "You did that, didn't you? Yeah, that one set, that was yours, because <laughs> that was so far different than any other set in it. <laughs> you and it looked like something you'd come up with, and I go, yeah, yeah, actually, I did. <laughs> yeah. 
But so, that actually got, when you were describing that, that actually got me thinking of a scene that was part of Nightmare 3 towards the end there. And I don't know if it was optical or what it would have been, because the technology was obviously different in the 80s yeah. compared to what we have now. And I'm sure you're familiar with the scene I'm going to go with. When Dr. Gordon is fighting. Hey, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, it was the, when Dr. Gordon was fighting and trying to bury uh, Freddy, his right, skeleton. Yeah. But yeah. That was also a throwback to a different movie, but I can't think of it, like a Roman film. Well, that was that we expanded that. So we, we, that was the drug card scene, right? Yeah, yeah. We expanded. Uh, what, what we did that time is we we made this little. You know, in California, you can only scat, stack cars too high because of the uh, earthquake regulations, right? And, yeah. and so I said, well, yeah, I, I I want this stuff to be towering over them. I want it to look to, to like, literally look like it's concave. Right. And so we created this little tiny pocket <laughs> that that we used for that. And then that expanded out on Nightmare on Elm Street 4 to be this huge version of that. Exactly. You know, and I'd like to hear that there was little tricks to the trade there where it was like a little setup or a picture, you know, where you guys expanded on that. But yeah. when it comes to 4... You actually have a book behind the screens that's been out a couple of years. Why write a yeah. book? Why write a book? Uh, because yeah. I, I think it was kind of the end of the era, and I wanted it. And I also wanted – I've always heard these stories about um, – you always hear the same stories about the Nightmare on Elm Street. And I noticed that I'll, at the cons, I always heard the same stories, and they weren't the stories that I was at all familiar with. <laughs> um, I most of them, you know, had to do with between the actors and stuff. And I wasn't, um, I was the guy who was running stuff behind the scene. And I always thought that we had the better stories, but they never got told because we weren't storytellers. But I am a storyteller and I, and I just thought, well, I was just going to lay it all out and, and, and see if anybody was interested in all the rest of the stories behind uh, behind the scenes, and uh, I don't know. I think I sold about six hundred books, so some people are interested. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But if they want to check out that book, it's behindthescreensbook.com. But you know, yeah, you right. bring up have brought up some interesting points as well as far as behind the scenes production and all so far. But from and like I said earlier, you've done so many different projects and so many different roles. How hard is it, would you say, to you see a script for the first time when you're hired for a job? They say, all right, this is what we want to do, taking those ideas from paper to what we see on screen. How hard is it? Yeah, for um, you at least. Well, you know what I've told people is, is it's 5% inspiration and it's 95% uh, protecting your vision <laughs> from everybody else. <laughs> Interesting so, point. Uh, because the thing is, is, is you want you want to to uh, to give it a, an, an overall look, and and the thing is, is that it, it always that can seem secondary when uh, when you're in the middle of the shit. You know what I'm saying? 
Okay. And and you've got to stand back there and said, no, this is important. <laughs> no, you're going to have the right car, and you're going to have the right colors, and you're going to have the right, you know, wardrobe and stuff like this. And and then they go, well, you know, we just we just want to get the actors on set and get the scene shot. And you're going, ah, nah, nah, nah. yeah, but yeah, but. <laughs> If it doesn't, if it doesn't, see, it's like the production designer in the end kind of wears a lot of different hats, and and the main job of the person wearing all those hats is to hold, is to hold the damn thing together. Are, are you having a fist fight with a microphone? Yeah, yeah, I was fighting there a little bit. Sorry, we had a yeah. scene from Mortal Kombat we were reacting. Yeah, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, go ahead. So, so what you have to do is you have to sit down and say, "Well, uh, I'm going to want it to look like this," and, and you bring together all the as many uh, clues as you can, you know, uh, as to what you want to do, uh, you know, how you want it to look, how you want the effects to look, how you want the wardrobe to look, how you want the uh, the lighting to look. All those elements are, are within your control. And, uh, in me, I even go further than that. I, I get involved in, in, in trying to, you know, even help the directors create the character that follows with the feel of it. You know, cause it's all about feel. It, it's why, it's why uh, it's hard to describe production design unless you go over something that is that is uh, where everything is designed like a Batman or something like that, right? You know, Batman's obviously designed because the world is it's a different world. It's not our world. But the thing is, is every film, every film one way or the other should have that much effort put, that much effort put into it to intentionally look like something. Now, an interesting point when you describe that going from script to screen. Now, what is, what have you would, and you've been around enough to know, if an idea crosses your mind that might improve, how's that process? Do you go to the director? Do you go to the writers, producers? Who, who would you say, hey, I got this idea for a such and such scene we're working on? Yeah, everything's different. Every situation is different. Um, and a lot of times, uh, there are occasions where you just do it yourself and uh and uh go uh and apologize for it later uh yeah. <laughs> so there are yeah oops there are instances where you only go to the producer there are instances where you'd only go to the first ad uh there were there are instances you become a very good manipulator as a production designer because you have to know I always played it as a as a numbers game. You know, uh, what I was trying to do was get 80% of my ideas on screen, right? Figuring that the 80% would at least carry the whole field for me, right? And and in that in, in that 80%, you know, certain of the ideas you would have to string at the last minute or there'd be too much discussion of it. You know, I mean, one thing, let me take, let me put it this way. One thing that I definitely learned is you never built a, you never built a set ahead of time. You never 
You never built anything and gave it long enough for everybody to sit around and look at it for a week because then you were fucked. Because because <laughs> <laughs> people people start looking and go, well, I don't know if I agree with like this color or something like that. What you wanted it to do is you wanted it all come to come together the day the night before as you wanted it to come together as everybody else was leaving the current set <laughs> so that so that they didn't know exactly what this set would look like because then there would, then there would be no arguments yeah because how much time you only have so much time and a budget to work with right exactly yeah, yeah you don't have five years each to do each scene that's for sure that's right it, and you know what a lot of times the better part of Valor is to, is to know the game, you know? And it goes back to what you said earlier about being a con man in certain aspects. Yeah, certain, certain aspect of being a con man, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but but I want to add this. It's not like Trump. It's a con no, man. No, not that type of con man. Not, not that type of con man. <laughs> it's a con no, man so that your life is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we can go a whole different direction with that. I'm not touching that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I can tell I you all was, about an interview. <laughs> it's, I, I'm just saying in terms of uh, perspective. Yeah, because I was going to say I could tell you about an interview that I never put out because of uh, – you know, never mind. We won't go there. Never mind. We're not there. We're not there. <laughs> yeah, we're not there. And I got the. I'm doing the hands like Wayne's World. Do 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 do. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, three and four, uh, toughest effect or design that you were involved with. I would have to say the truck scene in four or uh, yeah, four would have to be one of them. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you that, you want me to tell you about the truck scene in four? Go for it. Okay. We have a problem. We have this, we, I, I mean, the script for four was not complete. <laughs> and yes. we start, it's well known for being the first one that, the, the, the one that we started with the 60 page outline, right? And, okay. it, and it was fleshed out as we went down the road. And one of the things that was really, really up in the air was the whole sequence. The, there, there's a place where a bunch of the sequences come together, and it's in the time loop, the the, the loop where they're where, where they're coming out and getting into the, the truck, right? Yes. And and they do it three times. You know, it, it's it's one of those dream loops, right? And the thing yeah. is. We didn't have anything written for it to jump to the next scene, which was supposed to be a, a scene where Danny is injured in a hospital. And uh, it, but we didn't know how we were going to injure him. We didn't know how we were going to get out of the truck, and and we were just having we were we were on a second meeting uh, about it, and 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 we were getting absolutely nowhere and. And and we're already filming, and uh, it's just we're in the second meeting. We're about two hours into it, and and so far we're just shit out of luck. I mean, we're just we're we're, we're just we're just what we're doing is we're crapping 
were shitting, and they were laying on, them on the table to see who has the better piece of shit, right? <laughs> and, and it was just horrible. And we literally had Freddie, at this point, he was in a, uh, I think he was in a jet. We were in a jet, right? We're in a passenger, and, and, and we couldn't decide whether Freddie, who was who in the cockpit, right? Was Freddie the uh, stewardess that comes in, or was he the uh, navigator, or was he the pilot? You know, and 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 that's literally what the discussion was back was was about. And, and I swear, I just put my head in my hands, and I was like, I just had so many other things to do, and I and I literally said this to myself. Only I had this, I am I was born without an outside without an inside voice, so. Uh, so I literally said out loud with my head in my hands, I said, oh, I just wish we'd hit nothing. And and this PA sitting beside me goes, well, what would that look like? And I kind of opened my eyes and I go, well, what would that look like? And now everybody was looking at me. <laughs> and I went, what would it look like? And then I was like, well... You know, what would it look like? What would it look like? It would look like, let's say that you ran into your own bumper, right? I mean, we could do that, right? We'll, we'll tie the bump, we'll tie the bumper to an immovable object and we'll just run the truck to the end of it. And pretty much that's exactly, and just then Peter Chesney, the mechanical effects guy who's sitting across from me, he goes really loud. He goes, I could do that. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> and, we all got up off. The, we all got up out of the table and we left. And to this day, Rennie Harlan, Rennie Harlan, claims that he came up with that idea, but he did. But yeah, but yet yeah, it was you production guys in a meeting that. Yeah, that's right. Know, an open brain fart, just hey, and <laughs> exactly. it worked. Exactly. Yeah, and it worked. And oh, guy, I was there. It was, it was so cool. <laughs> I mean, it was like literally what we did is uh, we took the motor out of the truck. Um, we uh, tied the cable and, and I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind. Here's the thing. Go for it. We, so we pulled it with one cable. We pulled it with a cable and then there was a, like a one inch huge cable that was tied to the front bumper and the, and the whole front of it was weakened. And they got up to 60 miles an hour, and and there was a, like a, a, a D7 Caterpillar parked, you know, that the one-inch cable was tied to. And, and at the end of where that cable was, they put a camera, right? And mm -hmm. we literally pulled the truck into that cable, right? And, well, you know what it looked like. It was freaking spectacular. But... The really cool thing is everybody had bets on the bike and back, like what was going to what was going to happen to the bike and back, right? Because there was a bike in the bed, and and I I had my money on that it was going to flip over and it was just going to leave the frame, right, and go and go right over the truck and just keep on going. And everybody had a bet on it, and and I swear nobody, I don't think anybody got that it was going to compressed the forks on the bike so far that the cables fell off and it and when it sprang back it literally did one flip and landed right back the way it was before in the bed of the truck 
<laughs> it was it was surreal. It's it's still surreal to me uh, to this day looking at that and seeing what that bike did. I'm like, holy crap! How did that happen? <laughs> but but here's the wild thing. The weird thing is that the cable snapped. The that it didn't snap, but the 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 cable that it ran to the end of when it bounced back, that cable loosened and slackened up, and it got caught on the on the trailer hitch in the on the back of the truck. And when it was sitting there, you can see that cable. Unbelievable. You you can if now that you know that if you look at the film. You look at that footage and you go, son of a bitch, there's that cable is there. You didn't know that it, you don't you didn't know that it was there, right? I didn't know it was no. there until like two years ago. Somebody else pointed it out to me and I was like, Oh my god, you talk about a perfect magic trick because you're so focused on on the front of the truck that you don't Exactly. See, you don't see the cable in the back of it. But it's but it's there. Yeah. Yeah, you you sitting there going, how the fuck that happened? How the hell? What you do is you sit there and you go, how did I not, how have I not seen this before? <laughs> and and that's the funny part. You were there. I was there and I still didn't see it. I was there and I didn't see it until two years ago. <laughs> yeah, so what's that tell you? But it's a, it's a hell of a magic trick is what it is. It's like, uh, you know, it's like misdirection to the, to the max. There's the the thing is, is you're just not looking there. Exactly. You're like you said. The focus is on the front of the truck and the action. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. It's a weird. It's a weird phenomenon. Uh, it, there's there's two t- things that it, that to me are amazing about the Nightmare on Elm Street, like three and four. Uh, things that I can reveal, and then you go, oh my god, the. Re- from now on, you're going to see that. You know, uh, I'll tell you what the other one is. It's from Nightmare okay. on Elm Street. It's from Nightmare on Elm Street three. On Nightmare on Elm Street three, <laughs> Peter Chesney and I designed the uh, the um, the mechanical part of the uh, uh, snake that runs underneath the carpet and then goes up the wall, right? You know, and when yeah. it goes up. Yeah, and and goes up the wall and he rips everything out and and there's some great stories about that whole thing. But <laughs> I've heard but some the, of them. Yeah, but the funniest story is this. Funniest story is that when we were done and we were about ready to do a reshoot, uh, I would hang over at Peter Chesney's shop during the day prepping. Um, because I always used to hang at his shop anyway. Uh, he and I were friends and, and I was using his, uh, his offices as my, uh, as my offices. And, uh, and we're hanging around and the editor comes over and he says, you know, we, we have a problem. The, uh, the kinetic energy of, of pulling that, uh, pulling the snake underneath the, uh, carpet actually uh, the kinetic energy of it literally rippled the floor so bad, the whole floor, that you couldn't tell what was going on. And there was, it wasn't very directional. It wasn't directional until it starts up the wall, right? And, and that's not what we wanted. We wanted this feeling that, you know, from the very beginning that it was like 
you know, a, a gopher or something like that, right? Yeah. And, and so maybe you guys could come up with a solution for us. And, uh, and we, we thought about it for a couple of days and we tried this and that and the next thing. And finally, I, I, I can't remember which one of us came up with the idea, but I ran across the street and grabbed a, an old $12, $12 uh, Persian carpet, right? Really ratty. And uh, literally for $12, I bought that. Uh, we brought it over. He had an old Mitchell 35. And uh, that it's a it's a no sound kind of a no sound sync uh, kind of the original 35 millimeter camera, and um, and we set it up we, we set it up to look at the carpet, and then got a piece of rope and a uh, Clorox bottle, and what we did is we we dirtied up the carpet and we just pulled pulled the Clorox bottle towards the camera underneath the carpet. And and sit the footage over to the editing editing bay, and they cut it in. This and it worked like a charm. And now here's here's you probably have a hundred thousand dollar plus gag that you know what with the with the four rippling and the wall tearing out and the and the snake coming up and eating her and all the rest of the, and the snake talking and everything and all the rest of that. You have this huge gag, and it's all dependent. On the very first shot, which is uh, a Clorox bottle being pulled underneath the $12 uh, 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 thrift store carpet. Go figure. And here's the thing. Now, knowing that, if you look at it, you can see the Clorox bottle. And you go, oh, shit, that really is a Clorox bottle. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Now you got now I got know how I'm going to spend the rest I, of my afternoon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now you got to go see it, right? <laughs> exactly. But and I don't want to keep him all day. But folks, if you want to check out more stories, I guess it's behindthestreensbook.com. Smith, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome, man. Thanks a lot. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Uh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my.
Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Crazy Train Radio. Don't take a nap. 